So um, we are currently in a series called The Beatitudes. It's been awesome so far. Um, If you haven't listened to the past few sermons about the beginning of the Beatitudes, check out our podcast. Um, It's been a great start to the series. Um, But I wanted to start out by sharing with you something kind of funny about me. Um, And that is that in the course of the last month or so, I have hosted three parties And in the next month or so, I will be hosting at least two more. Um, So I'm a little bit of a party person. I have this life philosophy that there's really no malaise or bad week that can't be cured by a really well-executed party. (laughs) And before you start to think that your pastor is like throwing ragers on the weekends, these are very tasteful and appropriate events, um, ranging from a very dignified cocktail party for my colleagues at work um, to a Halloween party for the pastoral staff here. And then most recently, um, a Parisian themed party for my 10 year old. She just turned 10 this week. Um, But I think the reason that I love parties so much, why I love throwing parties for my friends is because I love to delight people and I love to be delighted. I love uh, that you can, just by having the right food or drink or decor, um, that you are able, as just one tiny person, to create an atmosphere um, that people will remember and that they will enjoy and that will delight them to their soul. And uh, the word delight, it means to please greatly. And that's really an idea that I want to focus on this morning. I want to talk about delight. And I wanted to ask you, When is the last time that you experienced true delight? Um, Some of the things that have been delighting me lately have been uh, the beautiful fall that we've been experiencing. We've had this gorgeous fall. We've had these beautiful colors that um, have been out in the world. Just watching the sun shine through those beautiful leaves, it's such a gift. Um, Other things that have delighted me lately, my son, his mischievous smile that he gives me when he's doing something that's a little bit naughty or something that's a little bit um, just backhanded and he knows that just by smiling at me, I'm going to get, he's not going to get in trouble because he's just got such a cute little smile. Um, That delights me. Um, I'm a teacher. Some of you know that I teach high school English and so being able to enjoy my students, their jokes and their laughter every day, that's something that's been delighting me lately. Um, But I hope right now as I share those things that there are some things this week that have delighted you, um, things that right now you're bringing to mind as I talk about that word delight. The thing that's so amazing about God is that he created us to delight him. And he created us to be delighted in the world, in the creation that he made, and also in him himself. And so he created this world full of delights, this world full of infinite pleasures at our fingertips for us to enjoy. He made us to delight others as well. And learning about the Beatitudes, part of learning about the Beatitudes is to have an understanding that God created us to reflect the delightful attributes of his personality. And so when we read the Beatitudes, we're not just reading a list of things that we ought to do. We're not just reading um, these rules about the way that we should behave. But what we're actually reading is a list of beautiful and delightful attributes that we have the privilege of bringing into the world. 
and showing these attributes, living out these attributes, this is something that brings beauty and delight and joy to the whole world when we live this way. Psalm 1611, it says this, it says, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. I think that sometimes when we think about religion, when we think about God, we get caught up in the rules of it. We think about having to do something. We think about expectations. And there's, there's part of that that's really true. There is. But I think Jesus is the ultimate and most beautiful example of how God's laws and God's ways are all created for beauty and for delight. Jesus Christ was the most beautiful person, is the most beautiful person who's ever walked this planet. People were so drawn to him. Everything about him was, was enticing and beautiful and good. People would follow him around. Crowds would just follow him around. Um, he was so different. He stood out. Everything about his personality was, was enchanting and drew people in. Uh, this, this series, the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes, if you don't know, they're a preamble to um, something called the Sermon on the Mount, and it's the most famous sermon that Jesus ever preached. And people came in droves to come hear him preach, and when Jesus preached this sermon, he was trying to cast a vision to his disciples. He was trying to cast a vision to them of a world filled with people who are like him, people who bring beauty and delight wherever they go. And we know that because directly after the Beatitudes, he, he addresses the crowd in a really personal way, and he puts an onus on them. He puts the onus on them to be the bringers of light and to be the salt of the earth. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. He puts the responsibility on them. You are the light bearers. You are the beauty makers. You are the delight bringers in the earth. So I think it's so important to hear these beatitudes with that in mind. So let's go ahead and read these. We're going to start at Matthew chapter 5. We're beginning at verse 3. Um, you can follow along in your Bible or on your phone if you have it, but it will also be up on the screen for you. It says this, he said, that's Jesus, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. We're going to go ahead and stop there. So last week, Pastor Scott spoke about verse 4, blessed are those who mourn. It was a great word. I would definitely check out the podcast if you missed it. But we're going to continue today by taking a deeper look at verses 5 through 7. So we're going to begin with blessed are the meek, blessed are the meek. Um, so this one, I think probably more than any other beatitude, is a little perplexing. Um, I remember reading it as a child and really not understanding 
any of it, really, <laughs> what is meek, what does inherit the earth mean? Um, meek is a weird word. We actually were talking about it a little bit in our um, leaders meeting right before service. Um, it's not really a word that you use to, to compliment someone. Like, when's the last time someone said, wow, you are just so meek today. I'm, wow, proud of you. You know, it's, it's not something that we say about other people as a compliment or really for any other reason. And I think it's also a weird word because it rhymes with the word weak and we associated it with weakness. For some reason, I think of mouse, like a mouse when I hear the word meek. I think there might be an expression like meek as a mouse or something like that. So, so meekness, we don't generally associate it as a, a positive attribute that we would want to emulate. But the truth about the word meekness is that it actually has a really amazing meaning. And I think if we really understood what meekness meant, we would all want to be described that way. Um, Because what meekness means is it means incredible power that is under control. Incredible power that's under control. So when someone or something is meek, it is harnessing its power. That person is harnessing their power in order to be gentle and kind and humble and considerate and courteous of another person. So when I thought of that, when I was thinking about this definition, what came to mind for me was those accounts on Instagram or on social media where they'll have a picture of like a really ferocious looking dog and it'll be like cuddling a kitten. Like, does anyone, anyone love those like kind of posts? I love that stuff. Like if there's like a picture of a big ferocious dog cuddling a kitten, like that will get me. But that to me is just such a, a picture of meekness. This idea that yes, I could harm you. Yes, I could hurt you. Yes, I have this potential to push you aside because I have something maybe that you don't and yet I'm going to love you I'm going to snuggle you I'm going to cuddle you that to me is just a great picture of meekness and I was thinking about how with Instagram with those those accounts you know when there's these um, pictures go up those things get like millions of likes when they're like just a picture of a dog cuddling a kitten they'll get like millions of likes and I thought you know why is that Well, it's because there's something so delightful about that. There's something so delightful about meekness. There's something so delightful about something so huge and strong and powerful, like a like a ferocious dog having that kind of gentleness and humility with a little kitten. It's delightful. It brings us delight. And Jesus, he was so beautiful in his meekness. He was so delightful in his meekness because he is the person in history who had all the power in the universe, and yet the Bible describes him as gentle and humble in heart. So I think it's an important question to ask, how do we become meek like Jesus? How do we learn to be meek? I think that meekness is an outward behavior, an outward posture of someone who has an inner attitude of humility. A meek person is a person who's honest and has a true view of himself or herself. Um, That person recognizes their own shortcomings, their own weaknesses, and their own failures. And because of that, they're able to respond to others with this gentleness, with this inherent goodness. And the characteristic of meekness, it's not a worldly value, and I think that's why we don't see that word come up a whole lot. Um, It's a kingdom value. It's a value in the kingdom of God. The world says that meek people actually get, don't get very far. They get nowhere. 
Um, the world says that to make it in life, you have to be tough. You have to be overbearing. You have to be manipulative. You have to push and pressure and bully people to get your way. But Jesus, he gives a promise here to combat that way of thinking, and I think it's so important. He says that the meek are actually the truly blessed ones, that the meek are the blessed in the world because only they will inherit the earth. And that's another really strange phrase, inherit the earth. What exactly does that mean? And I think it's a really significant phrase that he uses that, that he says inherit the earth, because Christians, and it, we see this throughout the scriptures, are not supposed to be like other people who are engrossed in pursuing possessions and pursuing success and worldly treasures. Their ambitions are to be spiritual. And in this beatitude, Jesus is saying that you think, you might think from observing things in the world that bullying for your will and for your way, that that is what's going to get you far. But actually, those who are meek are going to inherit so much more than those who pursue the world through harshness and pride and acumen. The meek are going to inherit the earth because along with Christ, they are going to rule in God's kingdom for all eternity. These are the people who are going to matter, who are going to be powerful, who are going to be significant in eternity. So the proud, they may have their heyday for a while, for 80 years, 90 years, if they're lucky, but the meek will rule the earth forever. I think there's something so beautiful and so delightful about meekness. Think about someone you know who for every reason could if they wanted to, belittle people or treat them as less than. So someone who's incredibly powerful or successful or rich or attractive or talented or intelligent. Do you know someone who instead of lording their gifts over others, who chooses to serve others in humility? That they, they put themselves as lower than others, that they treat others with gentleness, with kindness. Meekness is so surprising in our world, and because of that, it's a delight. It's a beautiful thing when we encounter meekness, and God wants us to be that beautiful thing in the world. Let's continue with verse 6. It says this, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled so a righteous person, the definition of righteousness, and again, this is another weird word that we don't use a whole lot. Uh, I think in the 70s it kind of had its heyday for a while as a slang term, but righteousness isn't a word we use a lot to describe people. Um, we don't go around saying, wow, you were just so righteous. Um, but a righteous person is a person who desires to please God more than anything else. That that is the deepest desire of their heart, and that they are going to pursue goodness, and they're going to pursue justice, even if they're temporarily derailed by their own sin. So this isn't saying that this person will always be faultless, they will always do what's right, they'll always do everything right all the time, but that they will have a very specific goal, and they will have their eye always on the prize of righteousness and pursuing righteousness in their life. So those who are truly righteous in the eyes of God, they have a lifestyle that looks different from the rest of the world. And oftentimes that lifestyle invites criticism and opposition. And people who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they might be disheartened by persecution. 
They might be disheartened by criticism that they endure for following Christ, but they would never change course. They would never change course because pleasing God is the ultimate goal of their lives. So righteousness, it's this thing that starts in the heart. It starts with a deep love of God and a deep understanding of his goodness. But what starts in the heart, that that goodness in the heart, it makes its way out into habits and behaviors. And a righteous person, they obey God's laws and they do right by others and they uphold justice in any way they can. This is a person who's willing to stand up for what is right regardless of the cost. And I think there's also an an idea of social righteousness here, that there should be a longing for righteousness and justice for the whole human community. And I love that there's a promise here as well. All of these have a promise. That people who desire righteousness, that they will have righteousness and goodness overflowing out of their lives. That they will be filled and they will be satisfied and they will experience goodness and righteousness in their own lives. I remember last winter we were um, eating dinner with our kids. It was a normal day of school and work, and uh, it had recently been Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And um, our daughter, Evie, was sharing with us that she had learned in school about Martin Luther King Jr. and how he changed our country for the better. And Ike decided in that moment just to pull up the I Have a Dream speech on YouTube. So he, he pulled it up, and we took a few minutes that night just to let our kids watch um, MLK giving that famous speech, and our kids are, they're, she, our daughter just turned 10, but at the time they were 9 and 7 and 4, and they were just sitting on the couch absolutely transfixed, like not moving a muscle, watching this old black and white, cr- you know, crackly <laughs> version of the speech on TV, and I was kind of amazed. I was kind of amazed. I thought when Ike pulled it up, I'm like, okay, babe, they're not going to watch this. Like, what are you, you know, he's always trying to teach them history. He's a big history guy. And, 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 I, and I appreciate that. But I thought they're, you know, they're too little. They're not, they're going to think this is boring. But no, they did not think it was boring. They were absolutely transfixed. And I think that that's because there's something so compelling, so beautiful, and so delightful about someone who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. And that is a man who hungered and thirsted for righteousness. It was a beautiful thing. Let's continue at verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So to be merciful, it means to extend compassion and forgiveness to those who don't deserve it. I like to think of mercy, especially as a teacher. I think of it as giving people the things they need, whether or not they deserve them. I have a lot of students who don't really deserve a whole lot, (laughs) but I still need to give them the things that they need. Um, We all need compassion. We all need forgiveness. We're actually really quite desperate for those things. Um, We live in what is currently being called a cancel culture, a world that is incredibly unmerciful, that is harsh and cruel and unkind, unforgiving. And sadly, I think even there's been times where the church at large, or the Christian church, in its brokenness and worldliness has been that way as well, sadly. Um, And earlier we talked about, we were talking about meekness. And to be meek is to be willing to acknowledge that we are broken and that we are sinners. But to be merciful, we have to take it a step farther. We have to acknowledge that other people are sinners. 
And we have to have a sort of acceptance about that. If we have meekness, it's so much easier for us to also have mercy because we can extend mercy to others best when we know how much we need mercy. And so, so, so often I think mercy, it has to start with humility and seeing ourselves rightly. Um, secondary in, in importance to the many stories in scripture of the mercy of Jesus, there's a story of mercy in Western literature that has captured the hearts of readers for over 150 years. Um, the French novel Les Miserables has long been considered one of the greatest novels of the 19th century. And for those of you who know it, you probably know exactly where I'm going. So I almost hesitate to tell it, but it's too good. Um, this, this novel, it tells the story of a French convict named Jean Valjean. And the trajectory of his life changes from a life of self-centered sin and crime to a meaningful life lived in love and sacrifice for others after he has an encounter of radical mercy. After being released from prison, this man, Jean Valjean, with nowhere to go, he's benevolently taken in for the night by a local church bishop. And in the middle of the night, Jean Valjean steals the kind man's silverware and flees into the darkness. When he's caught by local police the next day, surprisingly, rather than charging Valjean for his crimes, the bishop goes to great lengths lying to convince the police that he gave Jean Valjean the silverware, even urging him to take his silver candlesticks as well and stuffing them in his bag. Jean Valjean is absolutely stunned, as you can imagine, and this unfathomable mercy that he experiences from the bishop changes the course of Jean Valjean's life forever. If you've ever had the privilege of seeing an adaptation of this novel on stage or in film, my guess is that that is the scene that you remember the most. It sure is the one that I do. It's absolutely seared into my conscience because there's nothing so beautiful, so delightful as that kind of mercy. I think we're quite in awe of it when we see it. We can hardly look away. When we see meekness, when we see a hunger and thirst for righteousness, when we see mercy on display in our fellow human beings, it is a delight and a joy to the heart. It's God's glory on display for us here on the earth. It's a glimpse of the delight that we are going to encounter when we're with Jesus face to face, the delight that we'll experience in eternity with him forever. Jesus is the ultimate embodiment of all of these beautiful traits. He is meek. He loves what is good and does what is good every single day. And he is merciful and kind. I think there's probably two responses that are appropriate today as we wrap up. Um, first of all, I think that there's someone probably here, there's probably some people here who know very much that like John Valjean, you are in deep need of the mercy of God in your life. That you need Christ's unfathomable mercy to stop you in your tracks to turn you around and to set you on a path of joy and of freedom. And I want to give you that opportunity this morning. But I think there's also some of you here who've been following Jesus faithfully for a while, and perhaps maybe even a very long time. And for you, today is really a reminder and challenge that you are to be the fragrance of Christ to those who are saved and to those who are perishing. 
that we are here on earth to delight and to also be delighted. And I just, I pray, my prayer for you this week is just that you would open yourself up to being a blessing, but also to being blessed, to enjoying the delight that is available at our fingertips every single day. So if you'll stand up with me, I want to pray together. What, what I'm going to do is, uh, for those of you, if there's anyone who would like to receive Christ, I think I'm just going to have everyone pray a salvation prayer. And if you've already prayed it, you're just here, you're going to be moral support. <laughs> you need moral support. So we're all going to just pray it together. And if, if that is something that you've never prayed before, if you say that in your heart, you can receive Christ's mercy and he will be your Lord and he will be your Savior and he will be with you for the rest of your life to delight and to guide you. And then I'll also pray for those of us who are already following Jesus, that God would enable us and equip us to be a delight in the world around us. Um, so if you'll just um, repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for your mercy. Lord, we are in need of it so much. We acknowledge that we are sinners and need saving. Lord, we ask you um, to be our Savior. Lord, we ask you to be our Savior. Forgive us for the ways we've sinned against you. Forgive us for the ways we've sinned against you. And help us to become a delight in this world. Help us to become a delight in this world. Just like you are. Just like you are. And Lord, I pray also for um, every person here who follows you, Jesus, who who knows you, and Lord, who we are burdened so often every day by just the weight of this world, by the troubles of this life. But God, even in the midst of that, you have made a way. You have made um, just infinite beauties, infinite delights in our world and in our spiritual world, in our physical world. Everything around us, Lord, you have created to delight us, to please us. And so I pray, Lord, you would help us to see that. Help us to see those blessings. And help us to extend that goodness, that blessing, that joy into the world around us. We thank you so much for your presence with us. We pray that you'd go with each one and give them your peace. In Jesus' name, amen.